You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back to the Bama Online Podcast, this one on a Wednesday, September the 8th, 2021. It is the return of T. Watts and TR. Travis Schreier joined by BOL site publisher Tim Watts. And Tim, you know, it seems like the last time we got together on one of these, it was 4th of July-ish, it felt like anyway. And now... The next time we do one of these, we're hearing about pumpkin spice and Halloween. Has it really been that long, Tim? No, I think we did it right four or five weeks ago. Sounds right. Yeah. Or is it just that pumpkin spice season starts entirely too early? Halloween season. Starts really early. Yeah, I think that's it. It's also a very strong aroma, so you can overpower (laughs) it. If you walk like you walk into the Yankee Candle or whatever, when you walk by that aisle, you're noticing that the Yankee Candle. It's it is strong. I don't know if anybody that's. I love the Yankee. Candle. Oh, I know about it. I just love the reference. That's the first Yankee Candle reference I can guarantee you here on the Bama <laughs> Online Podcast. We're up around 400 episodes by now, too, Tim, and that's the first Yankee Candle we've got. for the Yankee Candle. Yeah, I think we could turn that into some name, image, and likeness, maybe. For T. Watts and myself, we need to work on that. Hey, um, but yeah, it's been a interesting summer, and certainly uh, we're going to get into Alabama football talk throughout the podcast today. Get Tim's thoughts on what he saw from Alabama forty-four, Miami thirteen. Maybe more so with an emphasis on some of the newcomers that we saw in the game. Of course, Charlie Potter does an outstanding job as our day-to-day beat person at Bol. Kept you abreast of who exactly those young players were that played in the game last Saturday in Atlanta. But we'll get Tim's thoughts on not only some of the guys we saw, but maybe some of the guys he thinks we're still going to see as we move throughout the 2021 season. We're going to have the T Watts and TR podcast mailbag. It is ready to go right there on the round table, our premium message board at BamaOnline.com. So we look forward to your contributions via the mailbag and you never know which directions the podcast might go. But Tim, uh, I think we kind of got to get a, since it has been four or five weeks, uh, you had some big things going on, right? I mean, a few trips, maybe uh, reset, recharge, had to change some things, some initial plans resulted in you visiting some different areas. Uh, how has Tim Watts spent at least some of his summer? I know most of it spent working even when you're away, but uh, catch us up. Um. You know, me and the wife, we, we we toured Maine. We went up the coast of Maine, flew to Boston, drove the coast, uh, drove back. I didn't know, you know, I'm a busy-minded guy. You've known me 20-plus years. I'm busy-minded. I'm always – I'm the kind of guy watching a show and got a ball game on on the fire TV and texting. Uh, so I didn't know what, it, what I would – what I, how I would react to such a slow pace, but I loved it. I don't I don't think you can beat it in August with the weather, with the food, Um Drove the coast. Uh, it was just very uh, easy trip for us. I mean, we'd taken one earlier in the year, Boston, D.C. We talked about it, New York City with the kids. 
So totally different trip, you know, when you got your kids, even when they're teenagers, your head on the swivel with everything going on. But the trip for Maine, I couldn't, I, you know, I hadn't been on it before. Uh, although I'm a huge Stephen King fan and he's almost a brochure for that area of the country. And, uh, it was, it was fantastic. It'd be a trip I'd like to do every August, even if it's just three days, four days, five days, but flying into Boston, getting an extra day or two in Boston. And in August, you can wrap it around a, a, a game at Fenway. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was fantastic. One of maybe my favorite trip I've ever been on. Wow. More lobster rolls, I would uh, guess too. Yes. We had like nine straight days of them. Wow. Oh, I, I, I could stand that right now. Yeah, it yeah. was, uh, they, I mean, they do it right. You know, they do that. They have clam chowder. They have so Not much. Not too much mayonnaise up there because it's all lobster, right? I mean, yeah, it's know, all they, don't, they don't have to fill it up with stuff because you're getting the, the real deal. Well, the highlight, we went down a list of like their famous places to eat. And there was one, I think it's called Big Reds. And it's in this small town as we were traveling. I had to wait about two hours in line for them. Wow. Uh, Oh, it's it like was, ribs in Alabama sometimes. It's like Archibalds it, sometimes. It is. It's, you know, the thing that was crazy, I was thinking, is like lobster rolls were famous, but they had everything. I actually got a hot dog, and this is a hot take. I'm sure some main people want to fight me over. I think it was <laughs> lobster roll. They crushed this hot dog they had. They had like some kind of smoked sausage cut in half filled with cheese fries nice. and with, with sauerkraut mustard on top of it. It was fantastic. But we, let, we waited there for a couple hours to get that. I felt like it did. Heather was able to see the town so really you know if you're a guy just looking to relax and ride around and you know the coast is so unique because if you're driving it i think it's route one or something if you're driving it you're in the country half the time so you're seeing that part you're on the coast you saw the sea you saw the ocean we saw private stuff and private oceans and stuff like that and and uh very, very crowded ocean so can't go you know couldn't go wrong i'd highly recommend it i think yeah, i recommend it to you the weather break when in and of itself would uh would be worth it but the scenery i'm sure you can't beat i had a lady almost put in a headlock she said where are you from i said alabama she said i'm sorry y'all came and it's so hot right <laughs> and I said, what is it? was it 81 or something 78 she said yeah. 70 highs of the eight i said ma'am that is 2 a.m where i'm from <laughs> that is 2 a.m if you got to let the dog out to use the bathroom uh, 2 a.m and it's raining maybe said, yeah. I said, oh yeah so we get the 89, but feels like 111 temperatures. So I am uh, extremely happy. She's blown away. She's like, it gets that hot? Said, yeah. But I would, they all talked about their main winners, which I would highly recommend against. I'll never do that. They, uh, it sounded miserable. So, but yeah, great, great trip. Yeah. I spent some time out West. Uh, the oldest daughter is a new graduate assistant for the university of Nevada women's basketball program. So we went out there on a quick trip. Actually, the wife made the drive from Tuscaloosa to Nevada to Reno with the oldest daughter, Thelma and Louise style, the two of them going out there. And, uh, they had a great trip. You know, they kind of cut across North Texas into New Mexico uh, maybe a little bit. Yeah, they went through Flagstaff because they saw the, the Grand Canyon while they were out there, then up through Vegas and into Reno. Uh, Tim, I just caught a, a flight out to Nevada, out to Reno, <laughs> and met up with them for a few days. But uh, really tough out there because they've got the fires in California. It's like an every summer thing, unfortunately, for those poor folks. Uh, but fires in 
made a quick trip down to Lake Tahoe just to see it had been down there before, but it, it, it was unrecognizable because of so much smoke. I mean, you might as well have been at Lake Tuscaloosa or, you know, anywhere, any lake, because you couldn't see the visibility was, uh, so cut in half, but, um, it was a good, good little trip. Good to get her set up. And, uh, we're unofficially now Nevada Wolfpack fans here on the podcast as well. So look forward to that when basketball season rolls around, of course, Expecting big things once again from Alabama men's basketball with Nate Oates going into year three. J.D. Davison making his debut. That's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of excitement down the road. As far as what the Alabama football team did for its summer vacation, Tim, I think it's pretty apparent. They got ready for the Miami Hurricanes. (laughs) Unfortunately for Miami-Alabama 2021 in the opener, looked a lot like the last team we saw the Crimson Tide put on the field. New faces on offense, but from your perspective and understanding, you're versatile, you're team-wide, you understand every aspect of the Alabama football program, but we all know that recruiting has always been kind of your, I don't know, your fastball in a lot of ways with what we do at BOL. Your thoughts on Bryce Young, first and foremost, because although he was the number one quarterback prospect in the class of 2020, there was still some at least intrigue, if not outright questions, where his play was concerned. And uh, what did you think of Bryce in that first start? You know, I thought Bryce is exactly what we thought he was in the recruiting process. I think a lot of what people see, and I see the discussion, is he tall enough? I really think that's a an old school way of looking. Every quarterback's not going to be six foot four and a statue back there anymore. Those guys are, they'll still be those guys, but if they are the big, not really the running type, they've got to be a Mac Jones. Who's a, you know, he's a bullet. He's, you know, he's a ballerina with his footwork. I mean, he's a guy that feels a little pressure, steps up, takes a step up, takes two slides to the left. He's got a new pocket guys like Mac Jones, you have to be good in that pocket. You have to be crafty. I don't think height matters near as much. Of course, you want your quarterback, if all things are equal, you want the quarterback to be taller. But Bryce does – you want to take the taller quarterback is what I'm saying, if all things are equal. Well, Bryce is plenty tall enough if you're looking at what's happening in the NFL, if you're looking at the college level. Also, as you saw, he's shifted around that pocket. He's smart. He's not going to take – Many big hits. He did that in high school. He would run, pull down, run the ball. He can pull it down when he runs too, but he's smart. It's hard to get a good helmet right on his chest. So, I mean, he's a little bit slick that way, but I think he's everything. Is You know, I never understood the doubts about him. You know, I've never understood. I mean, the people, you know, even Alabama fans worried about if he's too small and stuff like that. I've never really understood that because he's not, again, he's not, you know, he's not your old school ideal NFL quarter, but back, size but he is drifting more towards that they, these guys are drifting more to that Kyler Murray and the uh um you're seeing Baker Mayfield and guys that aren't quite as big but what stood out to me was how shifty he was there was I thought Alabama was a clearly uh gonna overmatch Miami I didn't feel Miami matched up well at all in in a, any position uh room but I did think their defensive line was pretty good that's what I was most curious about. And I still think their defensive line is pretty good. I think they had some active guys. I didn't really notice the linebackers as much, but that defensive line, those guys got pressure, beat Evan Neal a few times, did some tricky stuff there. So it was a great challenge for the offensive line, but it also was allowed Bryce to figure out a little bit how to step up, even on a long pass to Jameson Williams. That was another, you know, shifting, stepping up, finding his target. I thought he did everything you could. And the one thing people look at, like you can't look at just stature. 
Because we've seen physically the best-looking quarterbacks who can't process. Bryce Young processes. He understands. He can go through his reads. He knows his offense. He's a high IQ guy. He's a guy that spends a lot of time in the weight room, so the film room. So this is a guy I think you have to kind of give the benefit of the doubt that he's going to be successful, and especially after this opening. I mean, that was, you know, that guy, He that was quite the performance. Yeah, lost in his size and his athleticism is the fact that, first and foremost, this guy's a passer. So pretty much anything he does before he throws the football is to get himself in the best position possible to deliver. And I think you said it really well there in terms of processing stuff, too, because Manny Diaz kept bringing that pressure, kept bringing five or more. And every time he did it, it seemed like with the exception of the sack where he lost the fumble and really didn't have a chance on that play, um, he made Miami pay. Uh, You look at his numbers against the Blitz in the game. You look at his numbers on third down. Uh, The long touchdown pass to Jamison Williams, the 37-yarder to John Mechie, all that's great. But what looks extremely positive for this offense and – Bryce Young moving forward is in his very first start, Miami threw the kitchen sink at him and an offensive line that's still in some ways trying to figure it out. And it showed at times, including the backs in that as far as pass protection is concerned. And he hung in there and he was the bright spot in all of that. So we talk up. Go ahead. That was a nice challenge for Alabama having, you know, Manny Diaz, a defensive minded guy coming up with a plan for seven, eight months to throw against him. And you're right. We had a few times where you saw the offensive line break down. We saw a tight end miss a block and give up a big play. And we saw Bryce have to figure out how fast can he process? How fast can he uh, adjust and get off platform? I thought he did. I thought he did a fantastic job, but to be honest, I, I expected that out of him. I mean, he's a guy again that we knew and you don't really, you can't really see and you know, a football IQ on film, because especially when you're looking at highlights, but I watched every one of his games his senior year and you could see the little adjustments that he did, not so much on just his completions, but avoiding a sack, you know, avoid, you know, there were several times that Bryce was a guy that knew how to shuffle, pull down the ball and just run out of bounds to get a two yard gain instead of taking a sack. So high football IQ. So he, he, he did about what we expected him to do. Yeah. And a guy in terms of what led him to this point. No offense to 3A football in a state like, say, Indiana, but Bryce Young did not play 3A football in Indiana. We all know where he comes from there in Southern California, the type of program that he played in. uh, All of that factors into it. Even the year he got with Steve Sarkeesian had to be beneficial. Um, The the familiarity there with Sark and then to transition right into Bill O'Brien and seamlessly jump into there as the first time starter. And we'll talk about newcomers with Tim as we move throughout the pod, but we'll start with the transfer portal because I think what played out Saturday was what Nick Saban has been trying to tell people is forecasting. This is how it's going to go. You know, if we do this one time transfer rule, uh, if we open the doors within the league for guys to move from school to school, uh, you're going to see Alabama cherry pick at a level unlike anyone else in college football and with the way Jamison Williams performed on Saturday and also with what you saw from Henry Toa I think some of those weird, worst fears came to life, Tim. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I thought Henry early on in the game, I think he looked like, to me, he looked like he was trying to do too much. I don't know if a little you know, hype. 
Yeah, he was hyped. Trying to earn, a, you know, earn a you know full year scholarship in the first quarter. Uh, I love the effort. I love that he put into it. Second half, I thought he was better, settled down a little bit. And you can see what kind of player he was. Everybody saw the big hit on the sideline. Big dude, mature guy. You could see him acting around it. I thought overall the defense did a really good job. I mean, you could nitpick, you know, as much as you want. You know, my my biggest play would be at the end of the second, you know, the second quarter towards halftime, and they sort of backed off on a down and distance and gave up a big play. But I thought everybody looked good. You know, Armour Davis, you know, certainly stood out. They didn't really challenge Job that much. I know they wanted to go downfield. I mean, obviously a work in progress. But to see that defense in game one where it was at against a solid offense, not a great offense, a solid offense, but to see that defense compared to the last two years we've seen them in game one, totally different animal. Yeah, if you can't run the football or at least threaten with the run pretty much on a consistent basis to this defense, uh, that pass rush, and even with Christopher Allen going out, which you hated to see for him first and foremost – uh, is going to be a real problem for teams as we anticipated during the 2021 season. Now, with Christopher Allen out, again, from a recruiting perspective, here comes Drew Sanders, here comes Chris Braswell, even a little bit of Dallas Turner, the five-star freshman, later in the game. So tell us a little bit about these guys that are going to be looking to step in for Christopher Allen and maybe more so some background as far as where they come from and, and how they've been prepared for this moment. You know, Drew Drew Sanders is an interesting guy. He came in very highly recruited, um, <clears throat> committed to Oklahoma early in the recruiting process. Guy Carl Scott ended up flipping is a uh, really good year for Carl Scott over there. He flipped Jace McClellan, who we got a good look of, who's a future pro. Flipped Drew Sanders, both committed to Oklahoma. But Drew's an athletic guy. He's fast. He can run. A lot of people, include myself, and especially Alabama fans, were saying – he could be a tight end on the college level. There's no doubt in my mind Drew would be a heck of a tight end. If you saw him, he's still raw, Mm -hmm. got to figure some things out, had a handful of tackles. But if you watch him, if you go back and watch that game, which I did last night, he's active. He is going to be around the football. Now, guys like that, you have to be careful with that they still handle their uh, responsibility. They don't run themselves out of a play. But that guy's not going to lack for a motor or a guy who wants to hit you physically. And again, you know, you mentioned Dallas Turner. He's another guy you had to love. The Alabama staff did a terrific job there. A lot of people had him penciled in for Georgia early on. Really good job by the Alabama staff to land that guy. <clears throat> and he's another one. Now, true freshman, you know, Drew's been in the system a little bit longer. But the thing about Alabama's true freshmen that get on the field, they tend to be a little bit different. You know, they tend to, you know, you know, know the, you know, obviously they got to know the game plan. They've obviously got to know their responsibilities work ethic and earn that respect of those upperclassmen. But Chris is a huge loss. I'm not going to minimize it because <clears throat> he's a heck of a football player. I think, did he lead the SEC in tackles for loss or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Every down guy too. I mean, he's again, um, tremendous. You just stick him out there on first down and he and Anderson, you know, you're good, you know, right. in your bookend situation. This is a case of you don't miss him at all. But it, it, unlike in years past where we've talked about it, where Alabama had no depth and Alabama had a couple no of years ago. Yeah, they had no depth or competition. This time you've got depth. You've got competition. Drew Sanders, uh, obviously a guy that wants to get out there and play, you know, Dallas. Nobody other one's trying to get in there. Braswell, as you mentioned, chances to get more reps now. Also, you know, Chris took a lot of those first team reps. You get other guys in there. So whoever's taking second, third, move up a slot, getting those reps. And you're going to see guys have a chance to get better and get out on the field. 
Just newcomers in general, uh, freshmen, true freshmen, according to Charlie Potter's count there on his freshman update that he does for us at BamaOnline.com. Ten in all, uh, I think most of them you anticipated uh, that, that that were in that mix uh, of the ten. But, um, you know, some guys that maybe we didn't see as much of or even if we did see them in the game, didn't see as much of that you anticipate. Areas of this football team where they're going to continue to have a chance to maybe contribute the offensive line, uh, maybe tight end even at some point down the road, uh, even on the defensive side of the ball where you still feel like you got great depth, even with the loss of Christopher Allen. Um, give us a couple of guys that you could could envision in the not too distant future taking on bigger and bigger roles. You know, I think that <clears throat> I think the wide receivers are the ones I'm most interested in watching. There's, you know, obviously James Williams, a big time player. Uh, Mechie's obviously a really good player. You got that class ahead of the freshman, the sophomore. They haven't really had anybody just jump out and take that role yet. So they got a lot of the freshmen in the same boat. Big reason the sophomore didn't really have a chance to stand out is obviously who was on the field ahead of them with, you know, Smitty and Waddle and those guys. So you're going to get a chance to see these freshmen. Can they learn to block? We talk about this all the time. You got to learn to block to play wide receiver at Alabama. You got to pay your dues. I know a lot of guys are high on Hall. I like Hall. I think he's a guy that's physically really good. But JoJo Earl's the one I love the most. Saw him the most uh, during the game. I just think you know Earl reminds me of that little you know you got that Waddle factor, you got that Rugs factor with him. Not saying he's as fast as either. Uh, not many people are, but I'm saying he's got that elusiveness. He's got that toughness. And to, for him to be a true freshman and get the most playing time out of a very talented wide receiver freshman core, despite being the only one who wasn't there in the, you know, in December, January, tells me just how tough this guy's going to be. So um, other wide receivers, Brooks is a big guy. I think going to get in there a little bit. Hall's going to have a chance to get in there. He had a catch. Uh, there at the end but um, and again the offensive lineman you're right you know see Latham in there a little bit they're gonna have a chance I think when you go against Miami I think Nick Saban's the kind of coach who's not messing around you almost have a one deep going into that game there's such you know you give him eight months to game plan I don't know if he maps out every play but I got I got a feeling he's got a vibe of how he wants that game to go so really you're not looking at a whole lot of substitution for the most part until the game gets out of hand, which he's not going to assume. He's not the guy to assume they're going to be up three scores by the end of the first quarter. So next game, you know, you obviously have a little easier uh, opponent. You have guys that can get in there earlier. You can see your quarterbacks a little bit earlier with Tyson. Milro got a, you know, got a rep in there. But the wide receivers have a chance this week against the less physical team, overmatched team. You're going to get a chance to see the running backs. I really want to see how good was it to see Trey Sanders bust that you know, ball out wide right. And it looks yeah. powerful and quick doing it. It was really good. Confident to see. and look confident. He, that was, yeah, that he, was everything. He's a big boy. Brian, I thought, ran the ball powerful. Um, and that's going to be important against the SEC defensive lines and linebackers. They're going to have to run where they're falling forward, get to the chains and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, you know, there wasn't a lot of surprises for me as far as, uh, playing time. I think we kind of knew what to expect. Um, and I think we saw about what we expected. Yeah. And, you know, especially at wide receiver skill sets in the depth chart, sometimes it works in your favor. Sometimes it doesn't. And this isn't to discount the readiness of Jojo Earl at this stage in his career. But when you look at 
his skill set and what that offense needs. You know, Jamison Williams coming in gave him that extra speed guy to go with John Mechie on the outside. They obviously were still very much in the market for that slot receiver that could give them some of that waddle skill set. And yes, Christian Leary is one of those guys that perhaps in time we'll see some of that as well. And not to take away from the importance of Slade Bolton because he had a nice game once again on Saturday. But the easy touches at the inside receiver spot, the different things you can do with that guy, especially if he has a reputation or a resume that shows he's dynamic, explosive, uh, that helps you get on the field faster. And, you know, what I like about JoJo Earl, too, and the comments that you heard from Nick Saban and even his teammates in the days leading up to the Miami game really talked about intangibles. And I think what you talked about earlier as far as blocking, you know, blocking is more about willingness than it is talent, right? And look, if we're being honest, a lot of these guys as four and five stars, they come in from the high school level. They weren't being asked to stock block at County High last season. They were being asked to catch the football and take it to the house. So it's an understandable process, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, I want to mention before I forget, I was watching that Kendrick Blackshire run down on special teams a few times and he he uh he was going down like a pinball. Like even on touchbacks, he was like hitting everybody left and right. And it feels like like the third or fourth time eventually those Miami players like three <laughs> Three of them hit him and knocked him down and kind of jumped on him. So that's a physical – that's a guy. You know, that's a freshman. He got in late, had a tackle where he ran down the quarterback on a scramble on a down in distance. And uh, But it was funny to see. You know, we I mean, you expect Kendrick to be very physical, and he is. I mean, he was running down on kickoffs on touchbacks. He's jacking everybody up. So um, eventually I think Miami had a little huddle like, all right, the four of us are going to take him. But another freshman, you know, that kind of, you know – and we see a lot of those guys cut their teeth on special teams, right? First time we mentioned Jace McClellan was where? Special teams. I had a nugget before the season that this guy was excelling on special teams. Um, so, yeah, freshman overall, I mean, there's a lot, like you said, the blocking. You know, when you're Henry Ruggs, when you're Leary, when you're, you know, you're those guys, you're not really asked to block a lot. I mean, you don't have to. I mean, no, you know, everybody's so worried about you uh, – um, you know, catching a pass and take, you know, you can take a short pass or deep pass. You can do whatever you want out there. Also, the, the focus isn't always blocking when you're a high school coach with a wide receiver. A lot of times it's just catching the ball. So Alabama's a little bit different. Those guys, will, those again, like you said, there's a reason college coaches refer to it as, you know, or pro coaches will say he's a willing blocker. Because that goes back to what you said. It's like tackling. It's effort. You're going to stick your, you know, you're going to get your head up, stick your shoulder pad right in his, you know, in his stomach or not. That's your call. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be effort, but also it's going to be strength. And I think those guys will get used to it because the DBs they used to. I mean, I saw Hall last year. He was a very physical guy. He played DB and wide receiver. Hall would literally be the wide receiver that was trying to take the DB to the bus. I think he got flagged. At least one game I watched just – and I didn't even think he did anything wrong. He was just blocking like a madman. So I don't think that's going to be the issue. But there's also a difference between blocking and blocking smart, you know, because these DBs are – you know, they're they're built to get off that block. You know, they're taught to get off that block. You know, Nick Saban's teaching Alabama defensive backs. So you got to get up on a defensive back to keep him out of that, you know, out of that run play. Yeah, technique's a big part of it as well. You can be aggressive and willing – and still not be an, an effective 
blocker. And with as much as Alabama likes to do in the quick game out to the perimeter, and we saw it on Saturday. I thought John Mechie, even though he's Alabama's number one receiver, they utilized him a couple of times in ways in which he was the the blocker of preference, and he excels in that area. It's probably an area of his game where you know the physicality that we've seen from John Mechie over the last year plus has been uh, very interesting to watch play out. And you know these guys are going to take a similar step here in the not too distant future. It is T Watts and TR on a Wednesday. We're going to step aside for a quick break here on the Bama Online Podcast. When we come back more with Tim Watts, BOL site publisher. We'll get into some recruiting talk, some T. Watts and TR podcast mailbag. The NFL season is upon us. Some interesting angles from the Alabama perspective, not just in terms of so many players in the league to keep up with, but more and more the quarterback position in relation to Alabama becoming a real, real thing in the Sunday game. We'll do that with Tim Watts when the Bama Online Podcast returns right after this. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Back with more of the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the Bama Online Podcast? Anywhere you consume podcasts, you're going to find us. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Megaphone, you name it. We would certainly appreciate you subscribing to the Bama Online Podcast. Leave us a rating and a review while you're there. That would be greatly appreciated as well. Tim, just in terms of the college football weekend in general, because this is what we do following week one as fans, as media, observers, whatever, overreact. That's what we do. We see a team that looks good that maybe we weren't anticipating looking all that good. And we go, watch out, watch out. I think UCLA through two games sort of fits that bill outside the Southeastern Conference. Then we see teams that maybe we had pretty high expectations for not live up to it early in the season. And we go, well, they're done. That's it. Uh, go ahead and write them off. Um, who is a team maybe in week one or even the zero week that played extremely well, looked the part, but you're not quite sold on as we move forward in this season? No, I've got a, it's a mixed bag. I think Ohio State is probably a little bit better than we think. I know a lot of people are beating them up. I think Minnesota was a worthy opponent. I think physically, Ohio State certainly has more talent than Minnesota. But, I mean, they've proven to be a well-coached team. Um, they seem to uh, you mix it up pretty good with the freshman quarterback, uh, the, the Stroud kid. He was pretty – he was highly ranked by us as well. So, I think that was a – you know, I've seen people, like, criticizing Ohio State pretty harshly. Uh, but I think they're a little bit better. I, and you're right. We tend to, like, get emotionally excited. You know, I've never seen, like, bowl games. Like, Georgia's preseason ranking depended entirely on a field goal against Cincinnati. And I've talked to plenty of national guys. Literally, if Cincinnati had won that game, I think it hurts Georgia, which makes no sense. 
in the preseason polls. So it's definitely an emotional visual thing for a lot of people ranking. I think Georgia's defense is, is really good. I think I'd probably want to see more of a, uh, a, a test, see their offense. I'm not sold Clemson's defense is as good as they look, to be honest. I mean, that was a team the last time we saw them, they gave up 49 points uh, to Justin Fields. And Justin Fields was a guy that sandwiched between lighting up Clemson. Ohio State struggled mightily with Northwestern and Alabama. So that wasn't really an offense that was just like killing it there at the end of the year. They lit Clemson's defense up. I think they lost two or three players. I know they had one that left left school. So I think Georgia's defense is as good as we expect. It's kind of similar. I mean, I think Georgia's trying to be similar to Alabama's earlier teams where, you know, you don't make mistakes and they did a great job of it. That was a tough game, a tough environment. Everybody was tight. You saw a lot of major players out there. Um, but I do think Georgia's defense is legit. I've seen a lot of people discussing that. Um, I saw some of the worst losses in history. I know that much. I mean, how Vanderbilt got beat so bad. I mean, there's, I mean, how the ACC lost, you know, almost every game, you know, LSU I'm curious about, I'm not sure what to make of LSU. I think hey, LSU, I was going to ask you, is LSU that, is it going to be that kind of season again? And, and if so, what's the sustainability of it for, for Ed Orgeron, not just after the season, but just getting through the season. I just can't. Now don't get me wrong. I thought UCLA played a good game, but that was not a good, UCLA team we saw last year they were very average of course they had had a whole season to get better Kelly when he's really good coaching he's really good coaching you know we just haven't seen that as much as we saw at Oregon LSU just has always confused me Um, like I don't understand how LSU keeps so many NFL defensive you know defensive backs for instance but they struggle with the offensive line it seems I mean their offensive line this year you know, a lot of people are going to criticize Max Johnson. He had over 300 yards passing in that game. And a lot of people are saying he threw to Butte, who is uh, Kayshawn Butte, who chose LSU over Alabama, might be the most exciting. Real deal. Yeah. Football. That that kid, you know, he's got he's got some get up. Really good player. But I still Max Johnson had to throw the ball to him. So I think Max Johnson was under pressure the whole night. I don't know if you saw the no look behind the back blind pass flip yeah that was like that That's summed like, up the 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 game for that LSU the man who is fighting for his life <laughs> that's the man fighting for his life that's how much under pressure max johnson was who is a solid quarterback his dad's an nfl quarterback he's a smart kid to make that pass tells you he was under he finally had enough that yeah that that was that pass was like i'm not swimming to win a race i'm swimming to survive you know that that is the football clip equivalent of throwing in the white towel i throw it in the football get the get the heck off of me so i lsu has talent to be better than that i don't know if they will be the offensive line's obviously a question mark i know uh uh, ed orgeron's under a ton of ton of heat and he has been i mean they had one of the best years in the history of college football that lsu team was so much fun to watch super talented Guys went on to the NFL and and, and uh, did well, but since that time, you've seen you know a steady decline. Um, still recruit well. I mean, they still get good players and do all that stuff, but they've got to put a team together. Or I don't I don't think Ed Orgeron will survive a, a a subpar year this year. I mean, beating Alabama, I don't think is the hinge on this. I think he needs to beat everybody but Alabama at this stage to uh, to to keep his job. Yeah, the thing with me is you return basically your offensive line intact. 
Darrell Rosenthal did leave the program, was asked to leave the program. He's now a starter, I believe, at Kentucky on that offensive line in Lexington. You've got these four- and five-star running backs, and you can't control the game or at least be balanced on offense against a UCLA team that I'll give it to the Bruins and Chip Kelly. They're improved. I think that's undeniable through two games, but just embarrassing the way that UCLA physically, in my opinion, controlled LSU on Saturday night out in the Rose Bowl. So LSU was in any kind of position to win the game. I mean, the whole time it just looked like they were completely dominated, which is weird. I mean, you expect, uh, you know, the turnovers were basically even, I think both of them had an interception. I don't remember a fumble. Um, uh, they, you know, probably a hundred, 100, 120 yards more, but it just felt like UCLA completely dominated that game start to finish, which is wild. LSU was up seven to nothing. And then after that, it just gently was a, you know, a quickly, and the score wasn't that bad, but it just felt like UCLA was winning and dominating the it, game. Full it felt great. more. Yeah. Very, very odd game. Now I still think LSU's got talent to be good. I mean, that, that, that Johnson to Butte, Matchup could be big. They certainly could have used uh, Eric Gilbert uh, thrown out there. You know, another guy, another very disappointing. I thought they would have another wide receiver or two emerge, though, Tim. And and you're right. Kayshawn Booty's unreal. Max Johnson, everybody in the building right now knows where he's going if he needs it. And I would, too. But it's nothing like, say, Alabama, where you have multiple guys sort of emerge at the position. It's. It's booty or bust, I guess you could say. And that that just doesn't make sense to me based on, again, the level at which you especially know this team, this program recruits at. Well, they got Brian Thomas as a kid. I saw yeah, him I saw him out there Saturday night, yeah. He's a big kid. I mean, he's a big athletic guy. Alabama staff was high on him. Um, he went back and forth, uh, you know. And, and these are, I mean, you know, I mean, not to be the Alabama Crimson guy, but these are guys that chose LSU over Alabama at the wide receiver position. So, you know, they were pretty highly sought after Brian Thomas and Keishon Butte. So they've got some. Now it could be getting familiar with those freshmen because Max is pretty young. You know, he was thrown in, I think in the Auburn game last year because the, the other freshman was starting at the time who transferred. So could just be getting to know you type of deal, but not a, not a, did not look prepared. I think is the best way to look at it. And when you have eight months to get ready for a game, um, they not looking prepared is not really acceptable. Like we saw Miami get beat pretty, pretty soundly, but they had a game plan. It just was a game plan, you know, that wasn't going to be successful against a more talented team. Yeah, it was reasonable. And, and, And at least Miami, whether it was enough or not, had some semblance of an identity, right? Whereas, you still don't know what the hell that was LSU put out there on either side of the ball. Oh, I agree. It was a weird week in general. I mean, you look at North Carolina, Sam Howell, Heisman candidate, Spencer Rattler, Heisman candidate for Oklahoma, Tulane. Gave yeah, home. Tulane looked Every, good. Everything, absolutely. Tulane giving up the home field advantage, still holding their own, got an onside kick with a chance to – to win it. Um, we did prove, you know, the whole summer, I was like, I don't understand. Like the whole national media is Oklahoma's defense is <laughs> just because you wish it don't mean it's true. Talk it into existence. I Tim. mean, Oklahoma is an offensive team. They're going to win pretty much. I think based, I don't think you're going to have many games where the Oklahoma defense is going to win a game. Spencer Rattler didn't look nearly like a Heisman candidate. Um, 
didn't look poised. Who like would I, you take today if you were starting a team and you had to choose between Spencer Rattler and Matt Corral? Dude, I, I, I said this to Charles Power. I think Matt Corral is the number one quarterback taken in this draft when all is said and done. The kid has definitely did a 180. He's got the arm talent. If you watched him, he is making a effort to make sure. Because, you know, he had some baggage going to Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. If you watch him, he is being the team leader. You can tell he's showing he's matured. He was there. A uh, guy got thrown out for targeting, and I looked up, and they flipped to the, you know, to the camera, flipped to him, and Matt was the one consoling him. So definitely taking that leadership role and doing the right things to, to do that. And that's auditioning for the National Football League. I mean, that's answering questions. And he's got some talent. He's an athletic guy. I mean, I think he was a five-star. I don't know if he finished there. But he had his choice of colleges, you know, and then ran, you know, ended up. It looked having, like he was going to Florida, I think, at one time. Yeah, he, uh, he was inter- heavily interested in Alabama and just sort of fell, just, you know, Miss had him just sort of fallen in his lap. So, um Definitely me to me right now when you look at that, because I think Matt, when you're looking at that, I think I don't I don't think Spencer Rattlers, you know, we go back to that mental aspect. I don't think he processes the game as well as a Matt Corral. Now don't get me wrong, Spencer's arm talent, he's got that kid's got a he's got an arm, you know, so obviously still got, you know, ways to go with you know, you know, with the decision making and all that stuff. Sam Howell is what he is. Um Good football player, probably a first-round pick in the NFL. I just didn't think North Carolina looked very good. thought Virginia Tech played solid, but, you know, they shouldn't have. I didn't feel they should have been held to 10 points. After all, struggled to get there, yeah. So we talk about overreactions, and we talk about Matt Corral. Uh, After the win over Louisville, that drumbeat for Ole Miss is being a real surprise team, potentially a top-10 team when it's all said and done increases, are you there yet with Ole Miss? Or maybe you were already there and thinking Ole Miss might be a top 10 type team, or is that still a little bit much one game into the season? Yeah. I mean, I think Ole Miss is definitely going to be a a solid team. They were solid last year. Uh, I don't think you can judge much by Louisville. That's a bad football team. Louisville. Louisville was very bad. Um, I think part of that was Ole Miss. I don't think Ole Miss defense could have improved that much, but um, uh, I think Ole Miss is a solid football team. I mean, anytime you got a first round draft pick at quarterback, you got an exciting type of offense, got some good skilled players. I think they're going to be fun to watch. They are a fun football team. They move fast, they play fast. Um, that game was so weird. Four targetings, I think, was it the first, second quarter? By the time mm-hmm. went, and they were legitimate targets, they were. <laughs> oh yeah, they were. They were earning them. Both teams. Yeah, they were coming in hot, dangerously hot. So, um, I do. Yeah, I do think Ole Miss. I, I, you know, I think for me, I'm always, you know, me, I'm always slower. I always feel like you can form an opinion, and then you know, it's like a ranking. I might love a kid for the most part, but I, I think more like you know, you want to you want to gently move him up. Because dropping them down is a pain in the butt. People get mad at you. They yell at you. you got to debate it. Moving them up is easy. I think that's a lot of what people ought to do with these college games. And we're going to know more about Ohio State this week. We're going to know more about them this week when they play Oregon. We'll know more about Oregon. We'll know a little bit more. Week one's a lot to answer a lot of questions. I feel like Ole Miss did a good job of answering questions. I think Georgia – one one of you know maybe the biggest game of Kirby Smart's career right there with that Notre Dame win he had. So I think Georgia answered the bell. Their defense did what you'd hope they would do. Um, 
you know, but other than that, Alabama, you know, you know, some of those schools did that. Texas, we need to talk about Texas with a yeah, nice start for Sark, man, because a lot of people were a lot of people were calling the upset for Billy Napier in Louisiana and sort of a Saban assistant bowl in Austin, right? Yeah, I just don't think the quarterback the the quarterback for uh, Billy Napier is good enough to to beat you pass, and he's a little bit too wild. He's a heck of a runner. He's got a cannon. Um, athletic guy, but I mean, he just, he, he's a little bit wild. I mean, the running back for Texas looked good, had over a hundred yards, you know, five, uh, five, uh, yards of carry. He did a good job. Texas just kind of leaned on him in a very, you know, workmanlike effort and, and beat him. So that was big for Sarkeesian because you weren't, I'm not sure. I didn't know what to make of the game. You know, Billy's Napier's team had a really good record last year, but every game they were, <laughs> they were on the verge of losing every yeah. game. You're right. Every single game, you know, he had a great record, but every game. They were great TV when they were on, no doubt about that. Week, I'm a fan of Billy Napier as far as a a person and a coach and uh, what he does. And we did a really good job at Alabama. So I'm I'm, I'm pretty, uh, watching pretty regularly. But they, uh, you know, know, it's hard to beat a team like Texas. And uh, in that situation with all that hype, it was best to go in unnoticed. Right. And unthought of than to have Texas aware you're coming to town. You know what I mean? Yeah. Texas goes to Arkansas now uh, to take on Sam Pittman's Razorbacks. Let me ask you this before we move on to some NFL and the mailbag. Real quick, Alabama from September the 18th through October the 9th, a stretch of four games for the Crimson Tide. Three of those at Florida, Ole Miss and Tuscaloosa followed the next week by A&M on the road. Of those three games, how would you rank them right now in terms of difficulty? Understanding two of those, Florida and A&M are on the road, and Ole Miss Miss travels to uh, Tuscaloosa. You know, I don't know what to make of, of a lot of these guys. I think Ole Miss is a difficult game because they're Ole Miss, and they've been He's sort of that thorn in Nick Saban's side, side the last, you know, you know, bad memories with Ole Miss, you know, a mm-hmm. you know, couple losses last year's game, which <laughs> one of the wildest games. Still one of up 48, yeah, in Oxford. It was just an amazing game to watch. It was like seven on seven. I've never quite – I haven't seen that type of game since Marshall Falk played Ty Detmer. And uh, the over in those games were like 88 and you still took it. So oh, I would say – old whack. I mean, yeah. that's their Super Bowl – I would put them number one. Um, I think they're a talented team. They have a freshman quarterback. They were going to figure out why. Well, I guess he's a freshman. They uh, Haynes King, highly ranked guy. So we're going to have to see what he can do. They didn't really look great on offense, but they'll be a big, powerful team. They'll have that home field advantage. That's the toughest game to me. Jimbo Fisher's a you know a good coach. Uh, Ole Miss would be second for me. That'd be a game I think that you know you'd be a little bit more nervous about. Florida, I'm not sure what Florida can do against Alabama right now. Um, offensively, I think there's a lot yeah. of questions to see. I mean, they lost, and we said this last year going into that SEC championship game. They had as good skill players A to Z as anybody in the country. They had an elite wide receiver, a beyond ultra elite tight end and a really good, you know, and an elite college quarterback's what he was. So they had skill players that were great. Now they've got to replace those because that was the entire offense. So if they can replace those, you know, they're going to be pressure. Obviously the swamp, you know, I've been there a couple of times. That's, you know, that's a mess. That's a, that's a tough place to play. Um, yeah. Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson at quarterback for Florida. I mean, that's going to be pretty much the question that, 
the Gators have to answer in a couple Saturdays and, you know, both and that opener last Saturday night in Gainesville, Florida runs for 400 yards against an overmatched FAU team. But in terms of throwing the football, Jones was picked off a couple of times between Jones and Richardson. I don't think they averaged five yards per pass attempt. That's going to have to be a lot better in a couple of weeks. Game you really want to do what? You want to work on your passing game. You want to see what you've got to work on. Yeah. You don't want to show up and just run the ball. I mean, you want to, you know, you want to experiment. I mean, I'm looking. They threw the ball 35 times. Yeah. You know, didn't average five and a ten. 153 yards. So no I mean, pits, no Grimes, um, yeah. no Tony. Uh, everything you outlined for that offense that moved on. A running game, and I would imagine if Emory Jones is a starter. A lot of their offense will be built around him tucking and run because he is a yep. good athlete, definitely a good athlete. Got a good arm, but you know some guys just sort of stiff armed. You know they're not loose, natural motion yet. Mm-hmm. Still a young guy could still learn, but he, they would need some improvements. They would need to establish the run, in my opinion, first of all, to have a really good chance of beating Alabama. But it's in the swamp. I mean, Dan Mullen will be up for it, and it's so- going to be three thousand degrees at kickoff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, let's get into the mailbag, Tim, the T. Watts and T.R. podcast mailbag that we access right there on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Crimson Tide fans around the globe. Dr. Back wanted some nuggets on the freshmen. I think we touched on those guys for the most part earlier in the podcast, unless you got one or two more you want to throw in there. And uh, then we'll get into some more recruiting centric stuff. I know Justice Finkley has been a prime topic of discussion here you had a nugget for us in recent days where Finkley is concerned but just sort of that mix to get us going between Dr. Back and you know what we're anticipating here in the mailbag you know yeah with Justice you know we have you know you got a guy that's you know really good kid high IQ kid smart guy wants to be a neurosurgeon so when you're sort of you know you have to factor in his decision a little bit different now You've got schools that are a good ways away. You got Alabama; it's forty-five minutes away. Um, you got a pretty close family. You got a family that's uh, forty-five minutes to an hour away. You got Texas, which is twelve hours, and you got Colorado, which is a flight with two two connectors. So you got a lot of distance to factor in. But with a guy that that's looking academically, you have to factor it in. I think Alabama's did a good job here. I don't think Justice has tipped his hand. And his, even when you look at his list, it's pretty sporadic where you have Colorado, Texas, and Alabama. You don't see that list very often. A lot of kids are more regional. And if you're national, you're usually looking at a USC, Ohio State, Alabama, spread out like that. You know, So kids are obviously a little bit different. I still think Alabama did a good job here. I don't have a strong prediction right now for it. I think a lot of things point Alabama's way, but I've said this before. I've said it in the nugget. I've said it the whole year. This is a guy that I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to predict uh, exactly what he's doing and what every move he means because he's smarter than me. He's a smart (laughs) He's going to be a neurosurgeon. I'm never going to be a neurosurgeon. I'm not even going to be a neuro. So this guy, um, good player, you know, he's going to be a good fit. I don't think he's a make or break for Alabama's class either way, but I do think he's a good, solid in-state kid who's active. I sort of got him in that Anthony Jennings type role. Um, you know, that defensive end, if he grows into that completely or that sort of drop down outside linebacker that we've seen with, uh, Courtney Upshaw and, uh, and Jennings sort of built the same way too. So red rip tied here in the mailbag. 
He wants to know your educated guess on a likely finish at wide receiver for Alabama in the 2022 cycle. And man, Kobe Prentice, the more I see of this guy on Friday nights, the more he looks like a really solid eval. Yeah, he's really good. You know, that was a disappointing thing is that Alabama fans have been, you know, some Alabama, you've been following Nick Saban's recruiting for a long time. I think you throw recruiting rankings out the window. But when I posted Alabama was going to get Kobe, when I had that first nugget that he was leaning that way, he blew him up at camp, there were several people thinking Alabama missed on their top target. No, they had adjusted their top targets and included Kobe in it. Speedy, that kid is fast. Turn a corner, can run. He's, you know, he's another one. Again, I don't want to just throw Henry's name out there, but he's sort of built like a poor man's rugs. Nobody's really as fast as Henry or not many people, but he's got that sort of flexibility, that size that goes with it, that little bit of toughness. Um, so he's kind of in that mold. Uh, you know, other guys Alabama likes, I feel good about their chances with Barry and Brown from Tennessee. Another guy in that Waddle Rudds, you know, I say I don't want to throw his name around, but I've mentioned Henry 10 times this show. But another speedy guy, you know, six foot one-ish, uh, fast, blew up. I forget what his stats were last week. They were insane. It's either this week or the past weekend. Um, just fast. He can fly. And, of course, Evan Stewart's a guy – they're on who's to me he's the number one no-brainer number one wide receiver in the country he's from texas fast everything you want in a wide receiver fit would have fit right in with that alabama wide receiver room last year uh two years ago he's that good talent ball skills and all that stuff not sure where he's going still waiting that out a little bit committed to texas he's a guy that's going to bounce around you know and not really tip his hand a lot so i think he's going to be a guy we could be waiting for a little bit, but I feel like the wide receiver, considering what they got last year and what they're what I anticipate them getting this year, I think there's a lot to be excited about. Sticking with Red Rip Tide in the BOL podcast mailbag, he wants to know our opinion. You're going to have some pretty good quarterbacks kicking off the NFL season on Thursday night, right? With Tom Brady and Dak Prescott, but he's more interested in Bama quarterbacks, and he includes Jalen Hurts in this. Of the three, Jalen, Tua, Mac Jones, which of those three do we think will have the best season in the NFL this year? Wow, that's a good one. Um, I think Mac's going to be the most consistent of the three. I don't think he'll have the best. I think the best is probably – the best chance to have the best is Tua. I think he's going to take shots. I think he looked better this year than he did last year. He looks healthier to me. The ball's coming out crisper. He's got a little bit more talent around him now, especially with Waddle. So he's got some guys. So the firepower you're looking for, the explosion, to me, is going to be Tua because I think that offense is going to have some more guys around him. Jalen's the guy I don't know about. I don't really trust the Eagles, to be honest with you. I don't. Me neither. I don't yeah. know. If they, I don't know if they have a great game plan for Jalen. I felt even when he played before he took over as starter, I didn't feel that Jalen really like. I thought they just brought him in to bring him in. I think they had the same play called for Jalen that they did for Carson Wentz. Hope, hopefully, they've improved there because obviously they got Smitty. Smitty's going to be open. I can tell you that right now. Smitty's going to be open if they, they got to figure out a way, run plays to get him the ball, get it in his hands, keep him on the sideline. If he's stretching the middle of that field, it needs to be you know deep. And Jalen certainly can throw the ball. And also, Jalen's going to have another year, a lot of more experience under his belt. Uh, you know, seeing that pass rush. So hopefully, the game slowed down for him and Tua. Max going to face the speed of the game, 
But he does have the, you know, he's got Maestro back there calling the, the, you know, perfect, the, perfect offense for Mac. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and he looked good. I mean, I don't yeah. know. I never got the Mac hate. I don't know if it's the the cigar pitcher with his shirt off, you know, with his shirt off, and he's in the world's tightest pants, and everybody's like, he's got a belt. Everybody he doesn't look like a Marvel superhero. Everybody That's has, a lot of it. Almost yeah. everybody has a belly in those pants. It's cutting off the circulation. Yeah. The every man's quarterback, Mac yeah. Jones. So I think Mac, I think people underestimate him. I've had people tell me his arm strength's more than adequate. You know, a lot of people question that. I don't know why. Um, you know, his footwork's fantastic. He's not a super athlete, but the, you know, again, I think Mac's in the best position. Although their skill players again are not very good. But yeah, I, you know, I, I think you have the safest year because they'll know exactly how to use him. Two, I think, could explode. I think he could have a big year. He has, I'm not saying he will. I think he has that opportunity. I worry about that offensive line still down there, man. There is. They got left tack. Their left tackles on the COVID list for I just, the opener. I mean, and this, that's that. And he's not. He's not Andre Smith in his prime either. So, you know, yeah, yeah. that's my concern. I, I like the weaponry and how they've upgraded that with Waddle coming in there and some other things they've done, but they still suck up front and that's my concern and with Jalen I think you said it I you know for Jalen to really be your guy I think you have to craft the offense more towards what he does well and I'm like you I don't get the sense Philadelphia has done that certainly not to the extent that say like Baltimore did it with Lamar Jackson when Baltimore decided that Lamar was their guy that they went all in with their entire approach to offense and with Jalen um you know, it almost feels like 2018 when, you know, he did the heroics late in the season or 2017 and uh, it didn't really fit him in a lot of ways. Uh, but hopefully, you know, it'll work out better. I'm with you. I think Mac, because of the system. Have the same play calls for Carson Wentz and Jalen. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? That's no. the animals. I mean, you obviously have Jalen who can beat you with his legs. Carson was a pretty good athlete. I think the biggest thing with him is he's – Until the ACL, yeah. yeah. I think – you know, and I talk to people, uh, you know, I talk to people in the NFL who think a lot of what is wrong with Carson's in his head, which is yeah. – uh, which is awesome. I mean, quarterback, I mean, when you get insecure or you feel – you hear those footsteps, whether it be competition, you know, and I was told by one in the NFL that – he the drafting of Hertz in the second round really rattled him and shook his confidence. And I, you know what? I don't blame him. And then, and then if that's the case, you know he's not the guy. Yeah, you but know? also I don't. If Jalen Hurts draft being drafted shakes you up, you're reaching. You know, Jalen's expecting yeah. third round, and you're drafting the guy in the second. Um, you know, I I have a reason to think maybe I'm not the guy. Treadman in the mailbag wants to know how do we think the rushing offense for Alabama will progress. And I I think it will progress. I think, you know, what we heard going into the Miami game was that this wasn't an offensive line that had had the benefit of a lot of time together because of different inavailabilities uh, from a personnel perspective. I think, you know, as you get these backs more and more reps, uh, it'll still be a committee approach, but you said it earlier. Trey Sanders gave you a lot of reason for optimism where he's concerned. Jace McClellan is becoming more and more of a complete back. You know, Robinson in terms of dependability right there at the top, Roydell Williams in that mix. So, you know, I think as the mesh, uh, this fermentation, I guess you could say, that's required to make any run game go. It's not just one particular player, one particular area. As that continues to take hold, Tim, I I think we'll see it. And look, in the opener, 
in the first three quarters, I want to say Alabama averaged like 5.9 yards per carry. So it wasn't like they were getting stuffed. But in the fourth quarter, when everybody knew they were going to run the ball to take the the air out of the ball, it, it became more difficult, which you would expect. Oh, absolutely. I think Alabama had a great running game. The fourth quarter, again, they were putting eight in the box. Yeah. <laughs> They were shutting it down. They knew what was coming. Alabama was just trying to, you know, and that, you know, and you know, Nick Saban well enough to know that's another test. He wants them to face that kind yeah, that, of that, that front because he's going to see. And you and know, he still expects them to run the ball as difficult as it is. Offensive line units tend to get better from game one to game four. They play themselves into game shape. You know, offensive linemen are different. I had an NFL coach tell me this my second year in the business. He said offensive line are different. You can't next, you can't necessarily run sprints to get them in game shape. They get in right. game shape playing the game. Well, and what you see on tape from last year, from say a Miami and what they actually give you in the game, you might get a 50% difference as far as the looks, right? Because teams week to week, they shift it up. They're not just going to keep giving you a fastball. Uh, no, when you're looking fastball, they're going to mix in some change ups and some curves. Well, they saw a lot, you know, they saw a lot from that Miami front. And a lot of different looks. And, you know, Mercer will be a little bit more to work on the things they, they didn't do that well against Miami. And then mm-hmm. they go to Florida, which they'll see a good front. But that Miami game will help them in the Florida game because they're they are. The offensive line is battle tested. Yeah. You know, the offensive line is battle tested. I thought Miami did a good job. I mean, again, they were overmatched in basically every unit. And I'm not saying their defensive line was better than Alabama's offensive line. I'm saying their defensive line was pretty good. Yeah, and and I'll say this for the offensive line. And again, the backs, the tight ends, they all come into play on this. Zero penalties from the Alabama offensive line in the season opener. You'll take that. That's pretty strong. And how about our uh, how about Cameron blowing up with his uh, yeah uh, his touchdowns? Now he did Is miss he touchdowns. He's one of the guys that missed the block that blew. Yeah, up. he's got a little ways to go there. Yeah, but I mean his receptions. I mean he loves- absolutely. But having Kendall Randolph still able to jump in there at tight end that's absolutely that's a great he, thing trey sanders touchdown run he did a great job and this is a game where we yeah and he'll get better yeah the two he'll get he has to get better but billingsley this is a game you didn't really even see a lot of billingsley but it was good to see him you know i know it's been made a big deal of now but it was good on i noticed on the sideline when it happened i was like he was listening when nick saban's talking you have kids i have kids there's a difference between when they're listening to you and they're tolerating you to talk to them you know, like he was intently listening. Uh, you could tell. I mean, you you talk to your kids when there's level a, of engagement, no doubt about it. He you was, know. and it was a it was a good moment. It was more than just that photo. The whole conversation, he was into it. So hopefully, he's learned you know a little bit of lesson. Again, we got to remember how young these kids are and how weird the world's been for them. It's not just been the adults; it's been weird for you know. It's been. Right. I know my kids personally have had to change things. They're not. They don't. You know. They we that you and I never had to change it. 16 18 20 and 22 so uh, mm-hmm. good to see and you and you feel like you're invincible on the top of all that you know oh, absolutely 10 yeah. foot tall and bulletproof i believe is the old yeah. saying absolutely. hey ghost to brian as we get out of here uh on the latest edition of t watts and tr uh he would love to hear some talk about non-starters at cornerback if you think they will contribute there at some point in the season guys like Kool-Aid McKinstry, Kyrie Jackson, Marcus Banks. And, you know, what makes it difficult is that you've got these sort of specialists like Malachi Moore and Brian Branch that are so good at what they do at star and or money. Uh, And they technically are safety. So it's a really safety heavy defense 
at its base a lot of times, even when you get into nickel and dime packages. So when you're talking about opportunities for corner, Tim, you're talking about really two spots right now. That's left and right. And with the way Jalen Armour Davis played in the opener, with the way you anticipate Josh Joe playing on a weekly basis, uh, Kool-Aid, Kyrie, Marcus Banks, these guys are really good players and they got to stay ready because injuries, things like that can happen at any time, but just not a lot of daylight with the way Alabama utilizes its personnel in general on the back end. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I think we're going to see, I mean, you saw Kool-Aid. I still think Kyrie Jackson is a guy that's too talented not to play. Again, I think that, like I said earlier in the show, I think that when you're playing Miami in the opener, I think that you're basically looking at a one deep depth chart. I think mm-hmm. a lot of the play plan for that game is built around certain personnel that's not stretched out that far. Um, I think we'll see a little bit more of them and, and, and in the uh, in the Mercer game, obviously Kool-Aid. Certainly a talented guy. I thought Kyrie was one of the, you know, the best guys. It didn't help. You know, he didn't, you know, didn't really, doesn't really have a lot of experience. What hasn't been there as long as some of the other guys. Um, but physically, he had a lot to look forward to. So I think you'll see those DBs getting in there. And at the time, you know, you know, you know, hats off again to Armour Davis, who a lot of people had hit up with the transfer and would never play here. That guy looked good. And that was a very solid. That was a guy that really, until the spring, you didn't really know there was that much of a chance of him snagging that cornerback spot. Or I think you would be looking at a Kool Aid type guy working his way in there a little bit more for playing time because there's no doubt the staff's high on him and he can play. There's no doubt about that. All right, Tim, it's been a lot of fun. Time to get out of here. And again, we certainly appreciate everyone contributing to the BOL Roundtable podcast mailbag. Always, always thank you for your support there. Tim, we'll do it again soon, my man. All right. Look forward to it. See you guys next week. All right. Tim Watts, site publisher, BamaOnline.com. I'm Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL. Thanking you once again for joining us right here on the Bama Online podcast. Again, if you haven't already, How about a subscription to the BOL pod? Simple, as easy as a click or two. And if you'd leave us a rating and a review while you're there, we would most certainly appreciate that as well. And, of course, you need to hang out with us right there at BamaOnline.com. For Tim Watts, Travis Ryer. So long, everybody. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 